Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hi, Jonathan. How's it going this week? Pretty good. Um, had our first episode last week. Uh, it turned out very well. Thank you for all who downloaded that and listened to that. Tell your friends, tell your, your fellow church members. Um, yes. So you can go back and check that. We had an extensive preview of the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting coming up in just a, a week or so. Uh, and Columbus did that and also had a, a great interview with Dr. Ronnie Floyd. I'm excited about this interview as well this week. Yes, yes. It's um, going to be a good one. Last week's was great uh, because I think Dr. Floyd gave us good insight into the last year that he's had as well as what we can expect um, in two weeks, which is amazing that we've gotten that close, that we're here. It is. And this week's interview is with Julio Ariola. Uh, Julio joined me earlier in the week to discuss the music program, the music side of the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting. Uh, some interesting changes there. We'll talk about that after the interview. Uh, but we want to get first down to uh, some pretty big news. A great story coming out of a church here in Tennessee. Yeah, this is really fascinating. And, and uh, it's kind of the biggest story that people were talking about far and wide. Uh, it was a church in Murfreesboro. There was a story in the Washington Post about it. Um, Southern Baptist Church there that was uh, really just... Um, struggling had reached a point where they were down to, I want to say, I'm trying to remember, it's been a little while since I read the whole thing, about 15 people. Mm. And uh, there was a a lead deacon there. Yeah, their attendance had dwindled to about 15. Um, There was a deacon there that just realized uh, this, we're at this point, uh, we're not going to make it. And uh, his story of how he came into the church, of how the church had shown Christ to him, um, I believe when his wife died, uh, and, and how he had come to the, to the church is a, a beautiful one. And then here he's recognizing what they're facing. Um, but he learned about this other congregation. Um, it was an Arabic Southern Baptist church that had been meeting, um, in, uh, living rooms. It'd been meeting in, you know, kind of as, as house churches, he learned about them and um, they actually did this, made this transition um, and handed everything over to, uh, to that church. They sold the church to this new congregation. And so new life is coming into this building. Uh, it's, really, it's really interesting. And then hearing the story of the pastor of the Arab Southern Baptist Church um, is a great one, too. He... Uh, uh, I think it was a graduate of Southwestern Seminary, mm-hmm. uh, actually. And so just this um, kind of neat passing uh, to, to this new congregation is a beautiful story. And then the fact that it was in the Washington Post really meant that it got yeah. wide. Had a lot of coverage here in Nashville and the surrounding mm-hmm. areas uh, being local. Yeah. But it was really cool to see the national uh, media pick up on this as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of things going on in the state. Yes. A couple of changes with some state execs. Yep. It seems like we got a lot of state execs kind of changing hands or state executive positions uh, turnover. Last year we had Iowa change over and Michigan. And now we've had, I think, South Carolina uh, about a month or two ago came over and New England. And now um, the executive director in Alaska, Michael Proctor, 
is retiring from Alaska. He has been the executive director and treasurer of the Alaska Baptist Convention since January of 2011. So in his fifth year, and he is retiring. So that opens up another one. And we just filled another position down in Florida. So this is is kind of a big one. Uh, This is a big news on the state front. Uh, One of the, the traditional southern states with Tommy Green, who is the pastor at First Baptist Brandon, Florida. And he will be the new executive director. And in a bold move, I might say. Uh, came out this weekend and announced to his uh, congregation that he'd be taking that. The bold move was not him taking it. The bold move was what he what he um, stated about CP giving, that he is going to move Florida to a 49-51 state. Not a 50-50, but a 49-51. and He's doing one more. In a year. Like right away. Yeah. Tim Lubinus in Iowa did this. Whenever he went to Iowa, he went straight to 50-50. People were asking why and how, and he just said, well, we'll just take 50% of the money, and that'll be our budget. Figure and it out. The, basically the same thing is going on in Florida. Some numbers out of Florida for uh, for those who are interested. $28.8 million in cooperative program uh, budget for this current fiscal year, 2015. Right now they are 55-45 or 45-55, however you want to state it, um, split where Florida keeps 55% of the money, which is $15.84 million of that 28.8 for the current year. They were passing on 12.96 on to the uh, executive committee. And if you kept the cooperative program amount for 2016 that you have in 2015, that 28.8, and did the 49.51 split, you'd end up with about $14.1 million in Florida and about $14.7 million going on to the national executive committee. So a, a pretty good increase of about 1.8 million dollars moving on to the executive committee which gets forwarded, you know which gets forwarded on to the uh, entities and the mission field and so you're actually looking at about 900,000 of that if you take the uh, the national entity breakdown of 50% going to IMB so 90% or $900,000 by by Florida doing this they're sending almost a million dollars more to the mission field we talked about last week on the show how Dr. Platt is going to be needing to fund the the new missionaries uh, that they're wanting to to get onto the field. There's a million dollars right now from Tommy Green in Florida. Yeah, yeah. And one of the other interesting notes here, the Florida Baptist Convention, they have seen some decline in uh, cooperative program giving over the last decade. In 2008, uh, their cooperative program giving for the Florida, just for the Florida side, was $23.6 million. That's down now to, uh, it will be, 14.1 so about nine million dollars less than they had about seven years ago so a lot of cuts have already been done and mm-hmm. have you know the budget has come down in the last seven or eight years so there's not a whole lot uh, you know whenever i first heard this i was like well wow, that's a lot of money but at the same time it's only about a million point seven one point seven million dollars and a 15.8 million dollar budget that is a lot and that will affect some ministries in florida uh however it's it's not an overwhelming cut right. and uh we we wish tommy green the, the best in uh making those changes and yeah um, big transition and, and i'm not sure if there's another convention out there that has gone to that there may be one or two i don't know those numbers off the top of my head but congratulations right. to florida for finding a new replacement for john sullivan in the form of tommy green absolutely obviously big big things out of texas uh that Many of this was just very sad and disheartening, but uh, the major flooding um, that was happening in Houston and in the area surround it. Uh, I don't know about you, Jonathan, but just 
watching all of that. Uh, you weren't actually in Nashville when that happened no. uh, in 2010. I was not. Uh, but, but we were, and it brought back a lot of memories of just what a, um, what a challenge it was, what a tragedy it was, what people were facing, and um, what it really took to come back. And it took quite a lot, and it took a lot of work, and a lot of work in the part of, of churches um, but there was a, just a great, uh, great story or just following how the Southern Baptist of Texas convention. Yeah. And uh, Oklahoma. Had their, yeah. And, um, uh, had their disaster relief leaders on the ground, um, really quickly and just at least tracking that, that story. Um, these are some of the beautiful things. And I remember this from, uh, years ago with a lot of the churches in Nashville doing this. And when you're watching this horrible, horrible tragedy uh, play out, when you see, um, when you see the uh, Christians coming in and helping the communities around, uh, that's a really special thing yep. uh, to watch. And so uh, our prayers are with those people, uh, with the people who um, lost so much and with the people who are helping, uh, but that's going to be, ongoing it's not something that uh that can be fixed in a few days yeah there was a lot of flooding and like you said in texas and both oklahoma the the article in the baptist press uh, mentioned that there was a mobile feeding unit in norman oklahoma which is the home of the university of oklahoma and they were feeding 2500 people a day yeah in oklahoma it's just amazing the, the staggering the numbers that those those mobile feeding units that the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief guys yeah. uh, put together oh, and, and just the meals that they crank out. Right, it's tons, and then it's a it's it's a process that they have it takes weeks, months because yeah. there's and all they, sorts they of train, they have this stuff ready. Yeah. It's amazing, and usually mm-hmm. they're one of the first uh, in the areas that are hit by these. These are some of the first responders, right. and, and just kudos out to the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief for their organization and their hospitality and and just showing Christ's love in times of disaster. Absolutely. On to the national entities. ERLC's got a new magazine they're releasing at the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting. Dr. Moore tweeted out a picture of the cover. It looks pretty neat on that. Uh, It's called Light. I'm excited. I'm Uh, excited about this. Is this a relaunch? I think this is is a relaunch, isn't it? It it is. It was uh, Salt and Light, I think, at one point, Faith and Family or something uh, as well at one point. It's just a kind of a rebrand, renaming of a of an older publication. I think they did one with Focus on the Family. I think when it was Faith and Family, I think that yeah. was with Focus on the Family. Uh, I may have those names wrong, and Dan Darling will get mad at me for missing those or messing yes, those up. Yes, he'll, he'll let you know. But at the same time, uh, you're right. Exciting to see this uh, this magazine covering culture, kingdom, and uh, the gospel. Yes. One note, uh, this is not really news this week, it'll be news next week, but I was talking in-house the other day, the ACP data for 2015, or 2014, I guess, uh, the 2014 report should be out. We should have that in time for our recording next week. So uh, tune in next week to to hear about uh, where the Southern Baptist Convention is uh, numerically. We'll look at the annual church profile data uh, that comes out around this time every year next week on next week's show. News in the seminaries, uh, we're a few weeks out or a few weeks past um, graduation time, but we kind of watch to let, let the stories round up on those and uh, just some really neat things happening uh, in our institutions. All told we had, looks like over 1200 yeah. graduates mm-hmm. uh, it is really neat in, uh, a in third our of those, Over a third of those came from Southern. 
Yes, which that's is, correct. Uh, I was just blown away by the number there. 107 graduates from Boys College yeah. this year. So yeah, yeah. That is really, so, really growing. So it really is. So 1,200 from a really certificate, bachelor's level, all that, all the way yeah. to a PhD. But every, uh, all the institutions had some unique things uh, to them at Midwestern. Uh, they reported there were two schools, actually Midwestern and Southern both give out faculty awards. Mm -hmm. So Robin Hadaway got the professor of the year at Midwestern. Uh, he is a, a Dean there, professor of missions, but was probably more known because he served for over a year as the interim yeah. president for Dr. Allen came. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, that was really great. And then at Southern, they also gave away their uh, teaching yeah. award. And Greg Allison got that. Yes. Finley B. and Lavinia Edge Award for Teaching Excellence. Dr. Allison, Professor of Christian Theology, who came in 2003. I remember when he came hmm. and um, he was part of one of my favorite classes of new professors. And so it's fun to uh, to see him get that. Uh, then, uh, But there were some interesting groups of graduates yeah. uh, at a lot of the different seminaries. Once you touch on a few of those. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, uh, or we mentioned earlier, the Boys College graduates. One of those graduates was Christopher Moeller, the son of Dr. Albert Moeller, uh, who is the president there. This is the first time a child of a Southern Seminary president has graduated from the school at, at the same time that their father was the president. Yes. So I'm sure some other graduates and, and kids of the seminary presidents have graduated from their schools, but but not at the same time. Now, Ben not, Dockery. Yeah, at Southern. And yes. Ben Dockery, who's also the son of David Dockery, who uh, many know from his time at Southern, his time at Union University, and now and as the president of Trinity International University. Uh, ben Dockery got his doctorate, as well as Justin Taylor, who many of us know online, uh, Between Two Worlds is his blog, uh, one mm -hmm. of the big blogs out there in the Christian blogosphere. Justin got his uh, PhD from Southern. He's the senior vice president publisher over at Crossway Books in Wheaton, Illinois. Yes. Now, yes. this one, another, and this is a funny thing. We had Christopher Moeller graduate from Southern. We also had Tim Aiken graduate Correct. from Southeastern, and his dad is the president at yes. Southeastern. Yes. So. so that was pretty neat. He was here. Um, the whole family was in. He is a, a campus pastor down at Family Church. Yeah, um, with Jimmy Scroggins. Yes, with, with Jimmy Scroggins. So he was, he was here. He is the third of the four Aiken sons uh, to graduate from here. Okay. So uh, John graduated from Southern, but then um, Nate and Paul have graduated and uh, uh, other interesting graduates that uh, came from, from Southeastern. Uh, Matt Carter, pastor mm -hmm. of Austin Stone, uh, got his D-men in uh, preaching here. Uh, Scott Hildreth, who is a faculty member and director of our Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern. He got his PhD, as well as Jeff Struker, who's a former Army Ranger, very well known from a Black Hawk Down. Yes, he's got real leadership yeah. potential. Um, yes, he does. So he does. Black Hawk Down, uh, one of the, I didn't realize, uh, you know, the connection there until later on. And uh, there's an article in Baptist Press about that. Uh, very interesting history for Jeff. And uh, congratulations to him on his degree from Southeastern. And uh, one other graduate that was interesting at Southeastern. Uh, well, they're all interesting. They are all interesting, this yes. This was notable, though. Yes, this was very notable. Uh, his name was Mark Talbert. He is a um, he planted a church in Madison, North Carolina that he pastors there. It's called Cornerstone Baptist Church, but he received his fifth degree Man. from Southeastern Seminary. Uh, he's gone almost nonstop since 1993. He's got more and, tenure than half of the president, or, or than yes. the president, than half of the yes. faculty. I mean, yes. like... 
So yes, he came to get his Associate of Divinity, and then he went on to get his uh, his BA, his MDiv, his THM, and now his PhD. Twenty-two so, years. Uh, yep. So we thought that was pretty neat. He's on that twenty-two year plan. I think so, but that's <laughs> but okay. Congratulations to Mark. That's amazing, though. Yes. Yes. So I, I think he. I, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody be an alum five times over. I mean, that, that, I'm not sure. I don't I've know if you can any. get any more than that. Can you? I yeah. guess you just get a bunch of master's degrees or something like that. Yes. So that's amazing. Congratulations, Mark. Down at New Orleans, among the graduates there was Sungling Sun, the first graduate of the seminary's Korean Doctor of Ministry program. Also graduating were Ai Kyung Ra and her husband Jin Kwan. They became the second Korean couple at New Orleans to both earn Doctor of Philosophy degrees. So uh, New Orleans, I, I knew they had a Korean program. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they have a really strong Korean program. So does Golden Gate. So it's, it's neat to see these graduates uh, coming out of those programs. I, I saw a few of the students there whenever I was down there earlier this semester. Or I guess it'll yeah. be last semester now that we're in the summer. But uh, this past spring, I was down there with Dr. Rayner, and uh, I met a few of those students. So uh, exciting things coming out of uh, in New Orleans. About 250 graduates, somewhere around in that range, uh, from New Orleans this past year. And then cool. at Southwestern, 33 inmates at the Maximum Security Darrington Prison Unit uh, completed their first seminary prison program over ever in Texas. So uh, seminary programs in the prisons at in Texas and Louisiana through New Orleans, um, those have graduates. There's a neat story in Baptist Press about that. Uh, yeah, I watched that press conference from the lieutenant governor and some other folks yeah. uh, before the graduation, and uh, it, it was really, really neat. Um, it was neat to see them talk about it from the state, yep. just recognizing the impact this is making in the the prison system. So, yep, very got, a, got a very. You know, I guess you don't have to worry about people missing class. There, they're not. They're not cutting class. Yeah, uh, I would think prisons. not. So, kind of a captive audience, but uh, but congratulations to Southwestern. I know that pr- that program's been going on for a while, and uh, to have those inmates uh, graduate uh, with their yeah, certificate very program. Special. Uh, very special indeed. Uh, this podcast is brought to you in part by The Gospel Project, a chronological Christ-centered Bible study for kids, students, and adults that examines how all scripture gives testimony to Jesus Christ. Over the course of three years, participants will journey from Genesis to Revelation and discover how God's plan of redemption unfolds throughout scripture and still today, compelling them to join the mission of God. Find out more and preview one month for free at gospelproject.com. This week, we're joined by Julio Ariola. Uh, he's going to preview the worship aspect of the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting, which is always uh, an important part. And so Jonathan got the chance to sit down and talk to him. Here's what he had to say. Today, we're joined by Julio Ariola, the global worship pastor at Cross Church in Springdale, Arkansas, as well as the worship director for this year's Southern Baptist annual meeting. Hey, man. Thank you, Jonathan, for letting me be part of this, man. You'll be leading thousands of SBC messengers across varying demographic lines, people who are accustomed to many different contexts and style. How do you guide them in a way that brings people together in a room rather than appealing to one particular preference over another? Well, Jonathan, um, first, I believe this is a great opportunity that God has entrusted me with, and uh, I don't take it lightly. Um, As a Mexican-American worship pastor, uh, I have to do this every week. The music style I grew up listening to in Mexico, and even in the time my wife and I lived in Argentina, is completely different than any style that we used here in in America. Um, I have lived in the U.S. for almost 13 years, and something that I've learned, uh, and okay, 
I've lived here in, in the U.S. for almost 13 years, and something I've learned uh, is to identify the best ways to enable and engage God's people to worship Him, like the Bible says, in spirit and in truth. Yeah. I, I have an amazing team around me, Jonathan, and, and great mentors and ministry uh, that they've been key factors in all this process of planning for the SBC in Columbus. We've been praying, fasting at our church, uh, and we're seeking his direction in all of this. I'm completely confident that this year worship will appeal to everyone in the room, and it will not be because of certain style, but because of God's presence in the room. Now, oh, you mentioned it over the last year, you have participated in a number of events with Dr. Floyd uh, that have led us to this calling out of extraordinary prayer and worship, uh, this cul- kind of culminating in Columbus. And what were some of the highlights that you've encountered over the past 12 months in doing so? Wow. Well, I would say that uh, in every prayer gathering we've been part of, uh, we began with walls up. Uh, but sometime during the event, a breakthrough happens. Those walls fall down as, as the Spirit of God moves within us and, and we humble ourselves confessing our sins and seeking His face. And uh, Jonathan, sometimes that happens after a few minutes, sometimes after uh, a couple of hours, but that's my favorite part uh, because at that point, we begin to worship with one heart and no barriers between us. Um, that's when, when our spiritual ears and eyes open to whatever God wants to do uh, in His kingdom with us and through us. Now, what has been the most challenging aspect of planning the music? You, you talk about that, that wall uh, that wanting to be seen breaking down with the messengers that are there. Ha- has that played a factor or played a role in your planning? I mean, what, what is your planning? What's been the, the most difficult parts of that so far? You know, you, you're going to be surprised at this, but the the challenge hasn't hasn't been uh, the the musical side. Uh, actually, the most challenging aspect has been making sure we are in sync to what God wants to do through His Word and His Spirit during convention. Uh, now, even though we have a plan on paper, we we're prepared to be flexible to let God be the leader as he directs us to whatever he wishes. Now, you mentioned having a plan and everything, but this year is kind of a blank slate for you. It's a, it's a different format. Dr. Floyd's introduced a, a totally different format, one that I think is the messengers will like. We talked about that last week on the podcast, is that things are kind of grouped in. You've got a missions time. You have a seminaries time. You have kind of a business time. You have that, that Tuesday night call for prayer and repentance and, and confession. Uh, a lot different than normal types of... Uh, meetings that we've had in the past where you were mixing in business and then you'd have a sermon and then you'd have a report and then you'd have business and a music and you're trying to mix it all in there. What has that been like and how, how has the, uh, the difference in schedule helped you? I guess it seems like it would help you as somebody trying to put together a, a complete service. Well, uh, Jonathan, the uniqueness of working closely to my senior pastor and president of the Southern Baptist convention, Dr. Ronnie Floyd has created a, um, a dynamic teamwork effort in the planning for everything that will happen this year at our annual meeting. Um, you know, this is not his first rodeo. And <laughs> so, 
So, so the team collectively has been evaluating some of the great moments of the past, as well as some of the challenges we, we've experienced. And, and we've uh, adjusted this year to give more opportunities to celebrate who we are as Southern Baptists in worship. Now, we know that Shane and Shane is going to be coming in on Wednesday morning for the, the time that we're having uh, uh, on missions. Uh, they are listed in the program, but who else do we should we expect to see and, and different types of artists that we'll see over the course of a couple of days? We purposefully didn't invite any special music guests. Having just talked about the unique nature of planning a, uh, alongside Dr. Floyd, it puts us in a better position to handle any adjustments that may arise if our team is the only one involved. So that helped us to be more flexible. But uh, also, God has blessed us uh, at Cross Church with some of the best worship leaders in the nation. Uh, we will have a plethora of talented men and women of God leading from the SBC platform. So prepare for a feast in worship. So you mentioned earlier that you came here 13 years ago. Now, you didn't speak any English whenever you came to the United States, and now here you are about to lead the largest Protestant denomination in the U.S. in their annual meeting as the worship leader, predominantly in English. I, if we don't have any Spanish singing during the couple of days, I'm really going to be disappointed. But, <laughs> um, but what's that like? I mean, that's kind of a, a crazy story there. Yeah, well, it is, it is crazy. Uh, and that's God's grace and, and, and mercy. When I, when I came to the U.S. Uh, about 13 years ago, my wife was translating for me. Um, every time that I was communicating with anybody, my wife was my interpreter. And uh, she, her grandparents were missionaries from, from the IMB, actually, from the U.S. into Mexico for about 36 years. So um, she, she uh, grew up in, in, in uh, this uh, bilingual home. And, um, and when we got married, we, we always tried to, to, um, grow together in that, but it was not until we came, I came to, we came together to, to the U S that, um, I, I began learning the language and God gave me grace before people. Um, it, it was not because of my talent or, or because of anything else. God, arranged all the, the the different situations and circumstances to put me where I am right now. And it's such a privilege. I mean, to be, to be representing um, the, the Southern Baptist churches and lead them in, in, into worship uh, is great, but also representing the, the minority uh, in, in this great nation, in this case, the, the Hispanic population, um, which is the largest minority in the U.S. Uh, it's, it's such an honor, and, um, and I'm, I'm so excited to see what God is going to do this year in convention. Well, Julio, thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you in Columbus in just a little over 10 days, and uh, it's good to talk to you again. Look forward to seeing you there. You too. God bless you. Dios te bendiga. Just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you in part by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary's Doctor of Ministry program. If you want more out of your ministry and want to study with a world-class faculty and need to stay where you currently serve, the DMIN at Southeastern is the answer for you. Visit sebts.edu slash DMIN for more information. What a great interview there with Julio. A couple of nuggets I took out of that, uh, that there will be no outside choirs or special guests during the, uh, the convention programming. That allows them to, to be a little tighter with time a little bit more mm-hmm. responsive to the Holy Spirit's leading as well. I, I know Dr. Floyd, we talked to him last week in the uh, interview uh, here on the podcast that he was wanting to to 
have opportunities for the spirit to move as needed and, and wanted right. to be open to that. And I think everything that he's doing with Julio and the music kind of flows right into that. Yeah, allows for that. I think it's going to be, um, it, it will be different uh, this year. I'm really uh, interested to see just how that plays out, what this all looks like. And uh, I'm excited. Not to be forgotten with the annual meeting side is what goes on on Monday or Sunday and Monday, I guess. Now it's uh, two days. The Southern Baptist Convention Pastors Conference we mentioned last week would be previewing that this week. Uh, this year's uh, theme is He Must Increase. And uh, Pastor Willie Rice from Calvary Baptist Church in Clearwater, Florida, is the president of the Southern Baptist Pastors Conference. Uh, there's been a, a lot of discussion about that uh, in the preceding weeks. Uh, with the the Ben Carson um, invite and then Ben Dr. Carson uh, running for president and, and backing out of the invite as well. Uh, a lot going yes. on to that. We aren't going to go on to that here. Uh, but at the same time, we do have a great uh, panel. I'm just looking through the names here. And there are a lot of really, really strong pastors and preachers uh, who will be speaking at the pastors conference this year. Yes. And it, I think it's spread out really, really well. It seems like in every session, there's just a great, yeah. a great lineup. Um, it's, it's nice. Uh, the pastor's conference is always nice because it's very free flowing. Mm-hmm. Obviously people have things that, that they have to go and do, but then they can just kind of slide right back yeah. in. And uh, I think they're guaranteed that at every point uh, they're going to get to hear something really great yes. and helpful. Um, and uh, interestingly, Travis Cottrell is doing worship. Yeah. Travis is uh, the, worship leader for the Bethmore Living Proof Live events. Uh, we had a chance to have him lead uh, at a Lifeway Chapel earlier this year. Just phenomenal. And yeah. uh, I, I really, really love watching Travis and, and having him lead in worship. And he'll be joined yeah. as well uh, on the the day's events uh, with the Vertical Church Band and Calvary Baptist Church's worship team. That's from uh, Willie Rice's church. They'll be joining yeah. Travis as well for that. Um, some of these featured speakers there, uh, Dean Folks and Russell Moore, Dr. Moore from the ERLC, will be leading off in uh, on Sunday night. Dean is uh, from LifePoint Church there in Columbus, Ohio. So got a hometown guy leading us off on mm-hmm. Sunday night. So I, I bet a uh, pretty good following from his church will come over for that. Uh, that should be a pretty neat time there on Sunday evening. Uh, and then uh, Russell Moore and Ted Trailer are supposed to be uh, there as well. So it'll be a really good Sunday night. Yep. Uh, Russell Moore, obviously, from the ERLC, as we mentioned, and then Ted Trailer's down in uh, Olive Baptist Church down in the Pensacola area yes. in the Panhandle of Florida. Now, on Monday, leads off with uh, Vance Pittman gets the, the rough draw. That's a tough one for Vance. Vance is coming from Las Vegas. That's like a three-hour time change for for Vance, two or three-hour time change. Yes. And he's yes, got the mate. 9 a.m. thing. Yes, he does. So, so it will feel like, what, six? Oh, man. Seven? Seven. Just don't go to sleep Sunday night, Vance. Just stay up all that's night, right. preach, and then go back to bed. There so you go. That, that's an early early time slot for Vance, but he'll knock it out. Uh, he was the Pastors Conference president uh, when we were in Phoenix, I believe, in 2011. I remember that, yes. And, uh, it had a really neat thing. That one fell on Father's Day weekend, I believe, and he had like mm-hmm. father and son preaching teams. Uh, yes. which was really, really, was really cool, fun. a really neat uh, neat approach to that. And then he'll be followed by Paul David Tripp and David Youth, uh, the pastor at Orlando, Orlando Florida. And many of you know Paul Tripp uh, and his mustache will be um, preaching in, in yes. between those two. So uh, so Monday afternoon we'll kick off with Clint Presley. I wonder if he'll be wearing um, the, the seersucker. 
I don't know. Uh, it will be interesting to see. He pastors Hickory Grove in the Charlotte area, and whether he wears seersucker or a plaid vest or a bow tie, uh, that's going to be uh, the big mystery we're waiting to find out. Yeah, I think and, you uh, can count we'll, on the we'll seersucker. You can count on the seersucker at one point from both he and Herschel York at some point during the week. Yes, yes. Uh, but then he'll be followed by H.B. Charles, who always does a fantastic job. Um, uh, I don't think anyone's ever disappointed. And uh, and Steve Gaines. Yep. And, and don't forget, between the Monday morning and Monday afternoon sessions, there is the NAM IMB Send Luncheon. Uh, that's a free yes. luncheon, but you need to register for that now because uh, you need registration so they can prepare the food for that. And then Monday evening session will be J.D. Greer, James McDonald and David Platt. So uh, good friends of ours, J.D. and David Platt. I've, I've never met James McDonald, so, but I, I do know J.D. and, and David, and uh, glad to have them on the, the thing there. It'll be interesting to hear what David has to say. Uh, David, I think, is preaching there. He's also got a, a time of presentation during the IMB report later on. So, yes, um, uh, always Always fun to watch David preach, listen to him. And um, that should be a, a great time of uh, worship and, and preaching on Monday night. Yes. And, and they just need to be done by 9 o'clock for the 9 Marks at 9 stuff, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Come on, 9 Marks at 9 with the ERLC. Yeah, we're just kidding. They can go as long as they want. Because I think go. in the past, they, they, it has kind of spilled over uh, past that 9 o'clock time yes. frame, which is I'm no not, big deal. I'm not going to be the one And going nobody's going to tell David, David that he needs to stop. To, to stop preaching. No. I'm not going to ask that. So, so. Uh, the other thing that will be happening at the same time, or at least on Monday morning, is uh, the Pastor's Wives Conference. And we talked about this a little bit last yeah. week, but in most years, uh, it has followed the same theme as the pastor's conference mm -hmm. this year. They've decided to build on the theme that uh, connects with the minister's wives luncheon on Tuesday and the women's expo, uh, which that theme is radiant. Um, but it's going to be a good, a good time. They're going to have table discussions. Christine Hoover, yeah. uh, who wrote church planters, wife, mm -hmm. Lori McDaniel from the IMB um, and Nagma Abedini, yeah. uh, who is the, the wife of the, um, the pastor uh, who's imprisoned in the Middle East, uh, she's going to be there talking about the persecuted church and its effect on pastors' Damn. families. She was uh, uh, at the uh, SBC convention last year. I think the ERLC presented them or yes. presented her with a, a, yes. a token of appreciation and award for yeah. uh, for that. Yeah, her husband is Saeed, Saeed uh, yeah. from uh, Iran, so yes. in, in prison right now. And uh, Kathy Litton's also going to participate in that and uh, do a live poll of the audience on marriage and ministry. So it'll be interesting to see how that is. But that's yes. just a great opportunity uh, for pastors' wives to go and participate uh, in that. Music to that one is going to be led by Kristen and Eric Yeldel of First Baptist yes. Church in Naples. And uh, I think they've led it in the past. And Eric is like the only guy in the room. Yes, so. <laughs> yes. It's always fun for him. I think he's probably used to it. Yeah, though. probably so. So, yes. uh, And then there's also a luncheon uh, on Tuesday. We talked about that. Angie Smith uh, will be yes. the speaker for yeah, that. Angie lives here in Nashville. Her husband, Todd, uh, lead singer of Selah. Um, yes. And, and kind of a doppelganger for me, too. So I've seen Todd in the yeah, hallway he here at Lifeway, he and I've been like, whoa, hey. That's me. He is. And then, no, well, it's not. They, so I, I, I really respect her a lot. And uh, they are a, a family who's been through a lot. And uh, she she does a great she does a great job. Yep. So. And uh, Susie Hawkins is actually the organizer this year. Uh, yes. And so it's neat to that. see her doing all that. And you, if you want uh, tickets for the Minister's Wives Luncheon, you can do that. Uh, we'll put the link at the website. Um, those need to be done uh, quickly. 
because yes. that, that that deadline may have already passed. So, yeah. But all right, last part that we have this week, Amy, is uh, your resource of the week. What is it this week? Uh, it's called The Storms of Life. It's by um, a relatively new author, K.J. Nally, and uh, the it's the subtitle is Trusting God Through Emotional Pains, Hurting Marriages, and Addictions. This is not something I have read yet, uh, but I'm planning to read it. I'm excited about it. K.J. is a graduate of Southeastern. Um, she got her degree in biblical counseling here and lives nearby. Her husband is a pastor uh, just a couple of towns over, and uh, I got to sit in a, a group. There's a group of writers here that meets every now and then. And I got to sit in and hear her talk to those folks, just talk about the process of, uh, of writing, kind of encourage them. And so I was really inspired to, uh, to read that because I think it's written from a counseling perspective. Mm-hmm. It really helps uh, as, we, as we interact with people struggling uh, with suffering, things like that. So uh, I think it's, it's going to be a good one and I'm excited about it. Well, you put in a book last week by your boss. So this week I'm going to put in a book by my boss. And I'm going to tie it to a current event. Uh, the Autopsy of a Deceased Church by Tom Rainer reminded me a lot of the story that we let off the top of the show with, the church in Murfreesboro selling it to uh, the Arabic Baptist Church. Uh, yeah. that's, that's one of the ways that Dr. Rainer, he, he talks about it in the book, that you know sometimes churches do die. And what you do with the resources you've been given and stewarded with. Uh, are, it matters. It matters. And uh, for a church to do that, that honestly seems like a play right out of Dr. Rainer's book, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. If your church uh, is, it, it, that book will, will be good for any church that is struggling or not. Um, and we've, we've had countless testimonies uh, from pastors and churches uh, who have benefited from Autopsy of a Deceased Church that have opened up some eyes for uh, some unhealthy things in their church or maybe, or some things that they can just work on and, and get better. Uh, not every church is meant to die and sell their building to another group. Uh, but sometimes that happens, and, and sometimes it's a good thing and, and helps believers that are in need of those kind of resources. So that's my recommendation this week, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. Very good. We also want to thank our podcast sponsors again, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary and The Gospel Project. Uh, we will be coming to you next week. Uh, we've got Nick Nye, who's a pastor in Columbus, to tell us all about Columbus. So you can download that episode on your way uh, to Columbus for the annual meeting, and you'll have everything you need to know about Columbus. I think Nick's going to take care of everything from, uh, you know, just things to see, things to do, places to eat, uh, coffee to drink. So uh, I'm looking forward to that interview with him. Yep. Next week, a crossover will be happening. Yes. Be in prayer for a crossover. Um, A lot of students from the seminaries are in that. Uh, I know a lot of the seminaries offer credit for that, as well as a lot of churches. I know a friend uh, that's a pastor in the Cincinnati area, and he's one of the main leaders uh, for the crossover thing uh, going on in Ohio and Columbus. So he'll be up there, uh, Travis Smalley. Uh, look forward to catching up with him in Columbus. And uh, so be in prayer for, for crossover. Be in prayer for the SBC annual meeting, uh, the pastor's conference, the pastor's wives conference, everything we preview today and last week on the show. And we will see you in Columbus. Uh, tune in next week for the interview with Nick Nye. Thanks again to Julio Ariola and our sponsors, the Gospel Project and Southeastern Seminary. This is Jonathan Howe signing off for Amy Whitfield. Thanks again for joining us on SBC This Week. See you next week.